think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. I just hit record. Okay, I just hit record. I did it. Okay, it just occurred to me we didn't actually get through. Well, we're doing a short. So welcome to Feature Creep colon. Built-in microwave semicolon short comma. Yeah. Record a maru. Record a maru. Um, I it, so I like I was like oh I I didn't I wasn't I'm not ready to record because I have uh I have a list of topics we could go through but I'll just read oh. them and we'll pick one off I'm sure Great, our listeners will enjoy some of the uh, yes the any of the ones that we don't do today under the recorder Maru heading yeah so we've got well um, you'll eventually I hear mean, them anyway what's that you'll we'll eventually get to the others oh yeah we'll definitely get to the others um. Let's see. So, strong opinions weekly held. I think that's um, we've got that. We can't do that without Dana. Yeah, we want to do that with Dana. So, um, (laughs) most things can be improved with an alien chest burster or five. (laughs) Um, I've got now. I'm I'm going to leave it as an exercise to the listeners to figure out between uh, Meg and I who came up with that one. But I'm pretty sure you can guess. Let's see. Uh, design is not art. Attitude. It is a good one. Uh, attitude saturation station. <laughs> I forget what that one's about. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What, such a good what made me think of that? Anyway, go on. Yeah. Um, be cool or beheaded. A quick look at the death of nobility. That one's going to take a little research, which I'm not sure we're ready for. Well, uh, I've been doing research on it, and the research that I've got could fill a short because it turns out that oh. there's not that many noble people who have been beheaded. There's a lot of regular people who <laughs> yes. have been beheaded. Yes. Not yeah. that many noble people, which was a shock to me. I mean, basically, we're talking about, um, we're essentially talking about French Revolution. Right. Yes, and like in this weird twist of fate, I maybe this is what we're talking about. Okay. In this weird twist of fate, so I was reading about the French Revolution. Yeah. Because it started out where I was like, yes, the the title's great. Let's re- do research into nobles who have been beheaded by their subjects and others. And so I was like, I was thinking we were going to find a fucking treasure trove. I was like, this is going to turn into like a twelve part series, <laughs> and like it's going to take forever to get through this. No, I can't find anything. I can't find anything salient. Like. There's all kinds of information about all like there's a list of people who have been beheaded. I think it's in Wiki. There's a list of yes. people yeah, on Wikipedia. There's a um, there's a page called list of people who were beheaded. Yes. And most of the people on that list were not nobility. They were like yeah. political or like dissidents or and and then this led me down the rabbit hole even further to like specifically the French Revolution. Mm hmm. And uh, I I went off on like a tangent with that because I was expecting that to turn up, you know, like a list of people and it didn't. And I found out that most of the people who were beheaded in the French Revolution were just people whose neighbors narked on them. Yes. Yeah. Like just randomly off of that list of the French Revolution beheadings. Um, Jean, Jean, Jean-Francois Atouy, uh, he mm-hmm. was the hairdresser to Queen Marie Ant- Antoinette. Ah ha ha. And chopped his head off too. Yeah, like it's just that's amazing. Yeah, okay, so there's one. I mean, there's like, you know. Yeah. There's a good one. But yeah, I couldn't so then I was reading about the French Revolution, which came in handy because I didn't really know hardly anything about it. Uh and then 
last week, nope, Monday. It wasn't last week. It feels like a week ago. On Monday, I was in class for school and we were reading uh, a text by this guy Wiggins about fucking ethics. Anyway, um, his piece relied heavily on a person's presumed knowledge of the French Revolution. And like they never really mentioned in the text from the point that we started reading forward yeah. that they were specifically referring to events of the French Revolution when talking about like right. beneficence and like uh, instrumental harm and all this other stuff. And so uh, like we were reading in class and all of a sudden it dawns on me like, oh, they're talking about the French Revolution. And so like I made margin notes, you know, the ones for everybody else to read because it's like a group document that we can group edit. And I was like, FYI, this this whole like this whole like text is about the French Revolution or like the events of the French Revolution and using those as like a concrete framework for talking about this type of like specific ethical harm. And like uh, I think that was helpful uh, and I had to like explain a couple of things about the French Revolution that I just learned that made sense in the framework of that class because like other people just didn't know about it and the text doesn't say anything about it. So nobody knew to look anywhere about a thing. Like it was just like, this is so fucking typical. <laughs> I was gonna say typical and maddening. Yes. I was like, how is that? Like I wouldn't have known this except I just coincidentally was reading about it the other fucking day because of our podcast. Right. And it was, <laughs> we also talked about like hilarious things with the trolley problem. That's funny. Oh man. I context is so important. It's I feel so like fucking important. I, I think the biggest problem with communication and you know, when I sent you that text earlier about, um, the problem with social media or one of the issues of having discourse without consequence um, is that it's so easy to remove so much context from all of the discourse that there's no point to it. Yes. It becomes meaningless. You're having a conversation with somebody and yes, the words have the same meanings, but the context is so different that you have no ground for communicate. Like there's no common ground to communicate on. I know. It minimizes the eschaton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, oh God. Oh man. Yeah, it's so funny like we were talking about the the trolley problem. Yeah, and then today we were talking about the trolley problem and I I'm excited to do another podcast yeah. about that. Um did you watch any of that video? Yes, I did. Yeah. I so um there's a game just a speaking of context and not having a conversation between just you and I. Um right. There is a game on uh about the trolley problem and um, I'm going to look it up right now so we don't um, mislead people. But uh, there's a game that somebody made about the trolley problem. And uh, let me find it. Dr. Trolley's Problem called Dr. Trolley's Problem. And so this game is essentially um, it's well, here's the here's the the little blurb from steam. So this is Dr. Trolley's problem on steam and okay. it says Dr. Trolley's problem brings the classic philosophical quandaries of the trolley problem to life and ask you to make a life or death decision on the fly. Explore, explore your moral fiber in ways you never imagined or asked for um, <laughs> or asked for yeah. the, or asked for is the crucial point. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> like the way that the trolley problem is presented to people reminds me of the movie Saw, where it's like, you wake up, you're in a room, there's five people on one side, there's one person on another, you're in a trolley, you've got to kill someone. Right. It's like, yeah. it's just like torture porn. Like, what? I don't understand the, like, yes. I don't understand the, I don't understand the context of this question. Like, why does, why does anyone have to die? Like, and this is supposed to be a model for other less unpleasant, like, decision making processes that we have to, like, it just, the way it's presented is horrible and everybody outside of philosophy is like this is terrible and stupid and yeah. everybody in philosophy is like but what would you answer though right <laughs> as if like it's like this has a real image problem this whole like utilitarianism has a real image problem and i so i think that um watching that that person play the game on youtube so I randomly stumbled across uh, this YouTube video of the game and this guy basically playing it like many YouTube videos are now of people playing video games. Um, and he he immediately kind of lands on the issue with both the trolley problem and especially the implementation in the video game. And so he kind of just immediately is like, well, here's how his reasoning goes. If if all things being equal, there's two people standing on the tracks, one on the tracks where the trolley's going to go if I don't pull the lever and one on the tracks where if I do pull the lever, the trolley's going to go, then mm -hmm. he's always going to let it run over the person who's standing on the tracks where the trolley's going to go. Because from his point of view, any that the other action is murder, because in one instance, you were like, that guy's standing in front of a trolley. What yeah. an idiot. And he gets run over. And the other instance is like that guy was standing on some tracks where the trolley was not going to go. And then I made the trolley go there and run him over. Right. And so he just all of his like all of his decisions are based around that. And none of none of the other stuff. All the rest of it doesn't matter because in the context yeah. of the game, you don't you're not you're not given to understand why they find themselves on the tracks. And so many of right. the so many of the like, scenarios so are questions. dumb because you're like ultimately you're like, okay, well, anyone who builds a life-saving machine on the tracks in front of a trolley <laughs> is an idiot, and this was doomed to fail. I'm not going to, like, step in the way and save these people. For, like, <laughs> I'm not dignifying this stupid idea with a response. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's so, it's so ludicrous. Like, it just... <laughs> it's funny too because I'm sure that when like Philippa Foot came up with the trolley problem, uh -huh. she was probably like, "Look, listen, let me just explain it to you this way, right?" It's just this, like, like, and now it's just turned into this fucking yes. monolithic representation, right? Of like utilitarianism, yes, but in general, just philosophy, and people are like mortified. <laughs> so, so ostensibly, the trolley problem is about. <laughs> moral and ethical decisions but really but it's really. why we can't have nice things because really it's just about the idea that we can never use analogies because people people will always take them too far yeah people will always take them too far i um i wish that i had a fun analogy off the top of my head that we could just spiral into the abyss right now yeah well i think we've we've done pretty good there anyway we were we started okay. with um death of nobility and quickly shunted off to uh trolley problem just trolley problem discussion so um, yeah. like yeah. this one article we were reading or not article as a it was a philosophical text about um utilitarianism is like the only people who think this way are psychopaths <laughs> <laughs> like the only person who would be willing to look at the scenario of one person or five people got to pull that lever and would do it by rationally assessing the situation would by definition be a psycho. Right.
Like the only person who'd be like, well, I mean, logic would dictate that I pull that lever. You'd be like, what? Yes, right. <laughs> Why would you even <laughs> like who would even be in this? Why aren't you asking who's who's fucking responsible for this horrid scenario? Like, right. It's kind of funny. It's uh, and then, you know, like we were talking in class today about how uh, putting people in a moral gray area causes like twofold harm because like for example i can be like listen you didn't ask to be in this situation i created the situation but now in order to get out you're going to have to do something extremely immoral and unpleasant for you that you're going to have to live with after the scenario is over right, right? right. and so this discussion has not been in the context of the trolley problem at all it's been in the context of like like what nazis did to Jewish people to make them turn on each other to get some form of privilege within the camp, right? Like, yeah. if you are willing to be shitty to other people, I'll be less shitty to you. But it's worse in the long run because you're going to have to live with the fact that you were like super shitty to people. And in addition to being a victim, you were also a perpetrator. Right. Um, and so, like, we were talking about that. But, like, nobody ever turns around then with that and goes, but isn't that exactly like the trolley problem? <laughs> right. Which is what I'm totally going to bring up next time when we meet again. Like, you guys, this is just the trolley problem from a remote perspective. <laughs> like asking anybody to be the decider in the in once presented with the trolley problem, you're asking someone to basically put themselves in a moral gray area in a situation they didn't create, right? And perpetrate further harm on people just to get out of it. So it does sound like something that only a psychopath would propose, right? Right, right. Like, what kind of a psycho uses this ex example? Yes. God. It's so funny. I feel like my... Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's really unusual for, like, people inside... To be capable of existing inside and outside of in-groups. Like, it's really... It's kind of hilarious to be able to understand the philosophical arguments and make them myself, but then turn to people who are not in philosophy like, look, this shit's crazy. Yes, right. So just we're starting there with that. Yeah. Yes, this yeah. is crazy, but set that aside for a second. <laughs> like philosophy has an optics problem. It really does. Um, yeah. 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 No maybe question. maybe I found my calling, right? Like yeah. there's super like next to no philosophical research or writing that's been done on harm reduction and i'm like well there there's my bread and butter right there mm -hmm. and then there's also like i don't know i think it's kind of criminal that we don't better educate people in philosophy because it kind of solves a bunch of upstream problems or solves a bunch of problems upstream from them that like right, right. chase down individually one by one later on in life and it's like well if you would just teach people some critical thinking skills that would solve a bunch of these problems right <laughs> so yeah and i'm like well but it's also inscrutable and like unapproachable and it's all written by people who are just referencing somebody else who is referencing somebody else who is referencing somebody else who is referencing somebody else and it's like you're trapped in that reiterator problem problem yeah, right. problem problem <laughs> the problem <laughs> the problem is reiteration yes <laughs> but uh 
there's so many like here's the thing right if philosophy is supposed to be about sharing ideas and like yeah. trying to get closer and closer to some approximation of the truth and like figure out what truth even is and what does it all mean and all that shit don't you think that the work that you do in coming up with those ideas should be transferable to other people in order to make it worth it like if the whole goal is having good ideas wouldn't you want more people to be involved in that yeah anyway uh philosophy feels at that i think yes yeah oh well i'm gonna do something about it god damn it yeah good you should strap in everybody i'm just gonna tell you everything (laughs) i know about philosophy starting now how boring would that be I know nothing. I know you thought this podcast was about art and design. And now that you're here and you're trapped, um, there's this sort of gray area that we'd like to explore with you. If we had said that it was about philosophy, you never would have acquiesced. You never would have gotten been like, This sounds like some tricky way to get me involved in the trolley problem, which in fact it was as evidenced by the fact that our most popular podcast episode is the one about the trolley problem but as soon as people realize it's about the trolley problem they just stop listening yeah 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 it's pretty hilarious it gets so many clicks and then as soon as like like 10 seconds in they're like nope right this isn't about somebody dying this is about philosophy right Uh, um so yeah nobles getting their heads chopped off the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. What else? Design is uh, not art. Um, design is not art. Yeah. Uh, attitude saturation station we mentioned. Um, right. Unresolved mysteries of the Pacific Deep. That's a... I forget how that one came up. Um, oh, I think that was about what fell off the boat. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so to add a little bit of context, um, we took a sailing trip one time. And one year ago. One year ago. And uh, a mutual friend of ours was on the boat. And that person had may or, may or may not have been drinking more than they probably needed to, considering the context of where they were drinking. And <laughs> as we were, as we had docked the boat and we were exiting the boat, that person spilled the contents of Meg's purse over the side of the boat, um, which I should say onto the like, onto the side of the boat. And, right, and then and something made it into the water, which we all heard a loud kasploosh and some and gurgling. I saw and we, we saw something plummet something, to the deep bottom. Yes, and it light glinted off of it, which to me like it looked like a reflective surface. Right. Like foil or Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. And we don't know because everything that we could think of was accounted for. Yes. Um, my keys, my phone, yeah. my planner, my so uh, I don't think there's anything else in there. My keys, my phone, my planner, my wallet. It was yeah. all there. Yeah. It was all there. And so I was like, what could that have been that just sank into the depths? Yeah. Into the abyss. We don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um unresolved mysteries of the of Pacific the Pacific Deep. deep. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, let's see. Uh, we've got atheistic conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember the context of that. Um, I was watching. I'll tell you. I was yeah. watching. Um, I was watching a documentary, and it was about evangelicals in America. It was a a. Uh, I was going to say Deutsche. It's German documentary uh-huh. mm-hmm. about 
um, evangelicals in America. And um, that was when I, I, the reason I thought of the title is because I was watching this woman who I mentioned to you got two PhDs, one in archaeology and one in like. Oh, yes. Some evolutionary biology I yes think, yeah only so that as an authority on those subjects she would be taken seriously when she debunked those subjects and right. said that any worldview that's not biblical is a lie i and she called like a, a evolution like an atheistic conspiracy and i just that's right. i thought that was so funny because like most people do not have the compunction to get a phd they right. certainly don't have the compunction to get two and nobody ever gets two phds just to turn around and say i have insider knowledge all of this is bullshit yes, right <laughs> it's fucking crazy like i was like stunned by this woman Oh, it was amazing. So I think that's what it was. It, there were some very like funny lines from that. I can go back and watch it again and like actually do some like quick research on it so that we could have a whole episode about it. It was really good. That sounds awesome. I think that kind of highlights um, some of the issues about speaking of optics, um, like general understanding of academia and the way PhDs and doctorates work and how oh, fields yeah. of science and study are pursued because um it's yeah like it, it's just because she has those things doesn't make her an authority it makes her someone who i mean in a way right. like you can't argue that i mean i don't know where she got her doctorates from that that also has weight and also you know what did yes. she publish and in order to have those phds she probably published papers what did she publish and what did she have to say on the on the topic right um, you know, versus now what she's saying now, like those things matter. Um, mm -hmm, context mm -hmm. is important, but anyway, um, yep. so moving on. So we, we've got, uh, uh, we've got what you don't know about this fake money might be killing you. Listen until the very end to find out. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. Yeah. I thought, I'd thought about maybe like one month we should do all the titles that are just like awful clickbait where it's like, you know, mm -hmm. this one thing might be killing you right now. <laughs> Click to find out, you know, <laughs> just, so, just awful, yeah. awful shit. Um, all right. So Speaking then, of this one thing, yeah. like I was taking N-acetylcysteine because uh, it was in a little like amino acid cocktail that I was making for myself to help with my nerve pain. But yeah. I feel like my nerve pain has diminished enough that I don't need to be on a huge cocktail anymore, yeah. which I was talking to you and Dana about at one point. Yeah. And uh, I learned like <laughs> that. So NAC is really helpful because it like changes the consistency of like... Um, the polysaccharides in your body, like your mucus in your nose and in your lungs and stuff like that. And if you have like people with cystic fibrosis can cough up the gunk much easier mm -hmm. because it's thinned out, but it carries associated risks, namely that it slows down the rate of turnover of your cells. So if they become senescent or become cancerous, mm -hmm. normally your body like sloughs them off and gets rid of them before they can make more of themselves and become a tumor or a problem. Right, right. And NAC extends the amount of time that your cells hang around in your body, which means that if you have a low risk of lung cancer, it goes up. If you have a moderate risk of lung cancer, it goes up. And people who aren't susceptible to lung cancer normally become susceptible on NAC. And so I was like, well, judging because of this risk and because I feel like my nerve pain is is low enough that I can try going off of all of this complicated shit, I'm going to do that and see how it goes. And my pain is worse, 
but it's not insufferable. And mm-hmm. I was really paranoid about my lungs getting lung cancer. And then I got like a weird scratchy like throat and stuff like that or like in my chest. And I was like, oh, my God, it's definitely lung cancer. And I got like a weird tickle. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm for sure oh, having no. lung cancer now. And then I was like, what if it's not lung cancer, but it's COVID? Well, I can't go to the doctor to be tested for lung cancer because I might get COVID while I'm there. <laughs> and so it became this huge thing. And for like four or five days, I just had like really – well, I've been sleeping with a space heater immediately next to my bed. And so I yeah. just moved it a little bit away. And like today I'm Clear fine. <laughs> and so I don't have lung cancer and I don't have COVID. <laughs> Oh, that and was a, I'm not taking any more NAC. That was a bit uh, of a roller coaster, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it resolved. I know. I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me! Like, as soon as I stopped taking it, I was like, why are my lungs all scratchy and horrible? Because uh, it's because I insist on keeping my house almost 80 degrees and it's forced air heat in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's, that's why. why. Yeah. Hmm. What else have you got on that list? Um. All right. Uh. Oh, this one's a good one, but I don't think I'm ready to do it. Stream of consciousness, single sentence synopses of famous movies. Oh, that's so good. Um, I've got flirting with disaster. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, let's see. Oh, we've got a book idea. Um, how to parent a childless adult's perspective. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. There are some philosophers who are antinatalist who are like the harm perpetrated by forcing people to exist as a result of giving birth to them yeah. is inconscionable and sentient beings just should stop procreating entirely. Right. <laughs> and I I got the book. I got like the seminal book on this um, from a particular author and I'm totally going to read it. Yeah, <laughs> when, that's I, awesome. when I should be reading like a sign reading, I'd be like, hang on, I'm just going to go off on this tangent for a second. Right. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this book title uh, should go in the um, in the series we're going to write called, you know what you should do. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Well, you know what you should do. And so like this book title, how to parent a childless adult perspective is is a definitely a good contender yep. for that series of books. Um, yep. It's basically you know a bunch do. of books that tell other people how they should be. <laughs> I love this. It's a self-help series. It's a self-help series. Or it's a let yeah. me help you kind of series. Um, help me help you. It's the it's the sort of series where on the back it talks about the author saying something in the realm of like, if other people would just do what I say, we'd all have a better, I'd have a much better time in life or something like that. We can interview my parents. There you go. <laughs> they can ghostwrite this book for us. Do you think they listen to this podcast? <clears throat> Absolutely not. They don't even know how to like get on the internet. Yeah, I've wondered I've wondered if my if my family listens to this podcast because my brother knows about it. Um mm. which means that which means that he could and probably would tell my dad if he found a reason to say that. Um I don't know. Anyway. Um yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh okay. All right. After book ideas, we've got so this comes up a lot apparently this one is we told you somebody was gonna die (laughs) because it's just like all roads lead back to the trolley problem (laughs) and then after that i've got holy shit pope poops oh yeah that one is about the um the pornographic bathroom in the uh in the palpal chambers (laughs) 
or in the palpal residency. Yeah, in the in the Vatican. In the Vatican. Um, Amazing. I had a the alternate the alternate title for that one was palpal poops. Um, we've got, uh, how to live an absurd life. That is great. This is going to be like our big book. Yeah. I think like that could be the best book ever. That's going to be, yeah, that's the one where we, we, I think we're going to start with uh blog posts and work it up and then, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, then after that, we've got what you don't know about flop sweat might be killing you. Flop sweat. (laughs) Where are your children? The silent killer. Where are your children? (laughs) Flop sweat. Who's touching me? <laughs> uh, and then and then we're all caught up with with now now, which is the trolley problem, torture porn edition. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we've got like three upcoming trolley problem episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is so great. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out that it's five forty one p.m. local time. Yeah. And the sun is still lighting things up. <gasps> Amazing. Here. Like it's 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 set for sure at this yeah, point. But, but you're still getting everything a bit is of kind of like light outside. Everything is illuminated outside and it's a little shade of like purpley. That's nice. That's a I love that great. time of day. Pretty great. Yeah. Uh uh, what else is there to say? Well, um I mean there's I don't know. That's we could call that a short. We've been talking for half an hour. The Pope, the current Pope is retiring. Yeah. Yeah. I read that. His papal poops will poop no more. Yep. They'll no longer be papal. Papal poop. <laughs> papal porno poop. There's some other um there's some other titles we've got uh going back in time a little bit. These were I read like the most recent ones. Um Okay. We've got uh Uh, stochastic terrorism Ooh, that's a good one that one might take a little bit of research on my part i should put something together for that i like this one eternal disappointment so you're saying i get to live forever (laughs) yes Um, shit (laughs) right (laughs) my favorite one that i do want to talk about at some point um Mm -hmm. it would take some more time to to elaborate on but um it's stem no it's steam no it's steam steam yes that's a good one i like that one because it's like things become very conspicuously omitted when you get beyond like three core subjects yes yeah it becomes this sort of weirdly like everybody come over here no not you yeah no you history and humanities you stay over there you're not the cool kid anymore Aren't science and engineering and math heavily dependent on technology? Yeah, I mean, the the original STEM movement... So my understanding is this, which is that um, STEM programs were kind of a good idea because the issue was that um, there was this problem of science and technology being this sort of exclusive area where basically you know, angry white men were going and working and dominating the world. Right. Like, you know, we're like software development in that field. I think we have like maybe 25% now female to male ratio. Um, roughly like it's really, really under like minorities are really underrepresented in, um, 
in the tech world, right? So that's, I think that the idea of that was like where STEM came from, um, which led to certain kinds of funding for schools, right? So that they could do these programs, which is, you know, yes. that's fine. Okay. So they're like, yeah, let's do these other programs to get. And again, I'm, I'm working for memory. And if you know, if you're listening and you know different, please write in in an outrageous email about how terrible we are and we will fix it. Bring Um, on the STEM outrage. Yeah. Um, But my understanding was that um, basically STEM kind of came up as this movement of like, hey, let's get more kids into science, technology, engineering, and math, right? And and that's a good thing because the minorities are underrepresented and we need to make it more accessible to a wider, broader audience and we need to get more people into the field. Fine. Then Steam came along because now there's competition for funding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there's funding. And so there are these programs. And all of a sudden, the art programs that are historically always underfunded and fucked were like, what the fuck? You're like excluding us from something that we think is valuable. And and it's arguably valuable. I don't disagree that art is important and should be part of education. And so for art programs to survive, they lobbied and tried to get themselves included. And so steam STEM became steam, but, and that's where I kind of got to the point where I start making the joke about how it should be steam, because if you're not going to fucking teach history, what's the fucking point of it? Like, (laughs) like we're already living in, like we're just maybe coming out of like a resurgence of Nazism in the U S like a country that was like opposed to fascism, (laughs) fascism, and like all of that bullshit that came with Hitler, like not that long ago. Right. And we can talk about all of that in the episode on stochastic terrorism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's yeah. the, that's yeah, yeah. the stem steam, steam, steam stick. Um, <laughs> in a nutshell, not very well um, supported. Anyway, I think I'm just going to call it and say, hey, let's do, yep. uh, let's let people know how they can get a hold of us. So um, if you guys want to email Dana, email our butts. Yeah. At- yeah. So Dana, D A N A, at FCBM.io. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of us. I know we're on Twitter and, and Instagram. And if you follow us on there, good for you. Um, we don't care. We don't, social media is dumb. Um, yep. Email is amazing. Uh, social media is fine. No, we seriously like however, however works for you. Um, mm-hmm. If you have our number, give us a call. <laughs> Send us a text message, but email is fantastic yeah. because then um, Dana will be able to see it and then she'll be able to um, direct you to the correct department. If you have questions to or the, complaints. So. To the department that won't bite your face off. Right. Exactly. Or poop in your bed. Or poop in your bed. Or, or... you palpable poops when you least expect it. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Uh, oh, do we need to do a color of the day? I mean, I know we just kind of cram those into everything these days. We can do a color of the day. There's no reason not to. Okay. Um let me let me find the color for today. Um All right. So the color for today is buccaneer. Buccaneer. And our um, art and design color research department came up with this. Oh, I um, spelled that right on the first try. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, buccaneer has an RGB <clears throat> value of nine or ninety-eight, forty-seven, forty-eight. Um, it's kind of a. 
like a dark maroon. I don't know. How would you yes. describe this color? I would say that <clears throat> it's closer to brown than maroon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a like purpley color. Like it's it's a it's a cool red brown, not yeah. like an orangey. Right. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a plum color, but less purple than plum. So it's like a like a plum that you dropped in the dirt. Yeah, <laughs> dirty plum. I like that. Dirty plum color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. All right. It's it's not a bad color. Like I could see this being pretty you could probably class this up a little bit if you did like a lot of this color with accents of either super pastel pale green or pastel pink. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I could see this as the background color on like wedding invitations maybe. Mhm. Mm yeah, I Something could see like that. that. Sure. It's it's not a bad color. It's real understated. It's like kind a, of like <clears throat> the a, red equivalent of navy blue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely that's how I would describe this. The red equivalent of navy blue. It's kind of an autumnal an autumnal brown. Um Yeah. Or a late an early winter brown. Mhm. Where you're yes. kind of like, "Oh, it's getting cool." Um yep. so if your wedding was then in that time period, this would be a good color, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cuz the important thing <laughs> Actually, as bridesmaid <laughs> dresses go, this is probably not the worst color to get started. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's all right. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's fairly neutral. Um like it's not real neutral, but it's it's, you know, it's not you know, anyway. Um Yeah. Yeah. So, you know it's, what to do. It, You're listening to an art and design prod, uh, podcast. You know exactly what this right. is for. That's right. Of course, yeah. everyone does. You can't get your designer card until you pass the test. Right. Uh, well, great. That's uh, we have a color of the day. Look, we just like we sneeze and colors of the day come out. That's right. Yeah. Well, we do have a whole research department devoted to it, but um <clears throat> we'll just take credit for it. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they did. Those pe those peons. They know what they those did. Those peons. Yeah. They should just be grateful to be able to intern on such an amazing show. <laughs> Don't you dare try to unionize. Right. Now, where's my rent? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, wash your hands. Wear a mask. Oh, well, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick.